The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Hello, friend. Thank you for joining us on Grace in Focus today. We have a number of questions today. We're going to do a lightning round, so to speak. So stay tuned. Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates will start answering those questions in just a moment after I tell you about our website, faithalone.org. Please make a note of it. It's a great site. We would love to have you visit us there. I'll tell you more about it at the end of the program. Right now, let's start our questions and answers with Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates. Ken, we have some questions, I think, today, and we're going to try to do a kind of a lightning round here where we can see if we can get two or three questions in one show. Don't they do that a Wheel of Fortune? Yeah, I think they do. (laughs) So give me six letters, and I'll see if I can finish the word. Buy a vowel, buy a vowel here. (laughs) Okay, this comes from Sabrina. She says... What is the best avenue for spiritual guidance? Where do we get our guidance from? Okay, my suggestion is a pretty easy one. It's the Word of God. Yes. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if you have questions about assurance, go to the Word of God and go to the book in the Word of God that deals with assurance, which would be the Gospel of John. And we should ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand the Word of God. Exactly. And if you want to know about the Holy Spirit, well, there's no book that's specifically just designed to tell you about the Holy Spirit. So you'd have to do more biblical theology, and you'd have to look at various verses that talk about the Holy Spirit. But ultimately, the best grounds for spiritual guidance is to be in a solid Bible-teaching church. Then you're going to hear ongoing teaching about the Holy Spirit, ongoing teaching about assurance. And make sure it's a church that is clear on the message of life, that once we believe in Christ, we have everlasting life, we can never lose it. That, that's crucial. Obviously, she'll never have assurance unless she believes the promise of John 3.16. Okay, the next question comes from Tina. She wants our opinion on whether a person who is filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name and has been backslidden for 25 years is considered an apostate. So I think what she means is was filled with the Holy Spirit and a person who was baptized 25 years ago or whatever, but now for 25 years, the question isn't real clear, but for 25 years, the person has not been walking with Christ. Is that a reasonable understanding? That's the way I understand it. So yeah. they're not in fellowship. Right. But they're also, according to her, not an atheist, and they don't deny the faith. Right. She says here, suppose they have not practiced another religion or claim to be an atheist, right? So I'm. she doesn't quite say that they still believe the fundamentals of the Christian faith, but let's say they do then I would not call them a doctrinal apostate. They could be morally someone who has fallen away. I would say it's kind of cutting things pretty thin to say if someone is not confessing Christ, they're not a regular part of a Christian fellowship, they're not confessing their faith in Christ, then they're a person who's not going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, They're a person who's not going to be an overcomer. They're not going to have the Lord's approval. And so if Tina's friend is in that situation, assuming they're a believer, which Tina doesn't say what that person believed, there are charismatics who claim to be filled with the Spirit, but yet they've never believed the promise of everlasting life. There's Mormons who claim to be filled with the Spirit, too. Is that right? (laughs) Yes. So 
Yeah, an apostate is someone who has fallen away. And typically we think someone who has denied one of the fundamentals of the faith, like the deity of Christ, justification by faith alone, the virgin birth, Jesus' resurrection from the dead, substitutionary atonement, something like that. If they deny that, they're apostates. But the fact that a person is not an apostate does not mean they're a victorious Christian either. Yeah, I think probably the main thing Tina's asking, even though it's not worded, is can such a person be a believer or be saved, going to be in the kingdom? The answer is yes. But obviously, as Bob said, there's going to be some uh, serious negative consequences as a result of, of this kind of life. Right. But if they are born again, it's because they have believed the message of John 3.16. Unfortunately, the way the question is worded, it sounds like this is some type of work salvation person who has since fallen away. Yes. And if that's the case, then they've not yet been born again. Unless before they became a work salvation person, they got that it was a free gift by faith apart from works. In any regard, yeah, if someone's been born again, they remain born again forever, whether they're an apostate or whether they're no longer in fellowship or what. Okay, the third question that we have here comes from Brian, and it's about a article that you wrote, Bob, I think blog, What is the role of the shed blood of Christ in forgiveness? Yeah. Part four. And he says it was a bit surprising to him that you do not believe that people are forgiven of their future sins positionally at the moment of salvation. The article does not explain how this can be true and how we can also have eternal security, though. Can you explain it a little bit? Okay. Yeah, Brian, I don't recall everything I wrote. (laughs) I probably need to read that again. But I would just say this. I don't think I wrote in that article that I am convinced there's no such thing as positional forgiveness. I believe what I wrote in the article is that I'm not convinced that positional forgiveness is a true thing. If it is, there's only a couple of passages that seem to teach it, and all of those passages are capable of a different interpretation. You're familiar, Ken, with what is positional forgiveness? What do people call that? How do they explain it? Well, the way I've normally heard it is positional forgiveness is at the moment of faith, all of our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. Okay, so let's say that 10 years from now, I'm going to commit murder. So in this view, it says God's already forgiven that sin. Right. And that's a positional sense. Right. But now 10 years from now, when I commit murder... Am I forgiven in my experience? No, we have 1 John 1, 9 talks about the forgiveness of sins for believers. Right. 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 So it's a bit confusing because what we teach new believers oftentimes is your sins are forgiven past, present, and future as a result of the shed blood of Christ and your faith in Christ, right? Right. And then the next week follow-up, we say, now, by the way, 1 John 1, 9 says you need to confess your sins and God will forgive you. Doesn't the person go, wait a minute, a week ago you told me I'm already completely forgiven, past, present, future. I don't believe I said there's no position of forgiveness, it's just I'm thinking about it. But what I did say, I believe in the article, is that I do not believe that God has given me fellowship forgiveness for future sins. Like I said, if I were to commit murder in 10 years, I don't believe I'm already forgiven in a fellowship sense. I think we need to recognize on the human level, God doesn't expect us to forgive people in advance. Yeah. So what is the best way, in your opinion, to word this? For example, would we say, positionally, I'm forgiven, but for fellowship, 
I need forgiveness? Or would it be better to say something like this, that at the moment of faith, we start off with our sins forgiven in the sense that now I have fellowship with God. I don't need to go back. Okay, what sins did I commit before I became to faith? I need right. to confess these things. It would only take me about 12 years. Exactly. And yeah. then how many? I mean, how yeah. would I remember those things? Right. And so, or is it better to say, our past sins have been forgiven. We have fellowship with God. And now when we sin, we need to confess our sins to keep that fellowship going on. I'm just... I think you just said the same thing in two different ways. Maybe I misunderstood. But well, no, what I'm saying is it's really not dealing with positional forgiveness at all. Yeah, when we're talking about forgiveness, I think forgiveness, I'm still in flux on this. I've been reading some things that Antonio DeRosa wrote. Right. I think he's on the right track. And I'm not convinced there is such a thing as positional forgiveness. Now, maybe there is. But right now, I'm inclined to the view you just said. Right. We start the Christian life with a clean slate, but we don't yet have fellowship forgiveness of our future sins, and all forgiveness is fellowship forgiveness. Right. There is no other kind of forgiveness. And by the way, what was the comment at the end about salvation? How could there be eternal salvation? The person was asking some question about eternal security. Here it is. How can we be sure of our salvation if our future sins aren't forgiven? Wouldn't that mean that sinning will cause us to temporarily lose our salvation? And I know where we're headed on this one. This is, well, no, it it has nothing to do with eternal salvation. It has everything to do with fellowship. Right, exactly. So let's say that Brian commits a sin, and let's say intentionally, and dies instantly. Commits the sin intentionally, is out of fellowship with God. Is he saying then that he believes he would go to hell except for the fact that there's some kind of positional forgiveness? I think that's exactly what he's saying. And I I think to be fair to him, I think that this is a, uh, a pretty common way of looking at it, that when I believe all my sins have been forgiven positionally. Yeah. And what I would say is before Brian believed, before Brian was born, when Jesus died on the cross, he removed the sins of all people, of all time, in terms of a barrier between us and salvation. Right. Now, if you want to call that positional forgiveness, fine, but that's not forgiveness. That's just, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that doesn't happen when you're born again. That happened before you were born again. That's why you can be born again. So sin isn't the issue. So anybody who thinks, if I don't have some kind of positional forgiveness, then I'm not saved, they don't get it. Because Jesus' blood already covers all my sins in terms of being a hindrance to me being born again. Now, there's still consequences to sins for the believer and the unbeliever, and we're still not going to be in fellowship with God unless we're walking in the light and confessing our sins. But in answer to his question, I think the point of eternal security is that Jesus promises that he who lives and believes in me shall never die. John eleven twenty six, And it has nothing to do with the forgiveness of sins. Zero. Right. So therefore, if you die without the forgiveness of sins, out of fellowship with God, you're going to go directly into the presence of the Lord. If you're a believer. <laughs> because to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Right. But you can be out of fellowship with God when you die and you still have eternal life. And so is positional forgiveness true? I don't know. But we shouldn't base our eternal destiny on the forgiveness of sins. There's no verse in Scripture that does that. Our eternal destiny is based 
on that Jesus has already removed the sin barrier, and by faith in him, we know we have everlasting life. It's really that simple. And when it comes to forgiveness of sin, Bob and I are both saying that it is a fellowship issue. It is a fellowship with God issue, not an eternal life issue. All right. Well, thank you. Keep grace in focus. Thank you guys for that great discussion. Are you interested in finding other free grace believers just like yourself in your area? Well, you can do that by going to our website, faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On our website, we have a church tracker. It's an easy-to-use map that will help you locate those other free grace churches that might be in your area. So come visit us at the website and take advantage of our free church tracker. It's at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. There are a lot of costs involved in staying on the air. That's why we so much appreciate our financial partners. If you'd like to learn how to become one, you can find out more by going to faithalone.org. We would love to hear from you. Maybe you've got a question, comment, or some feedback. If you do, please don't hesitate to send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next episode of Grace in Focus, 2 Peter 3.9 is one of our favorites around here. What does it have to say about predestination, election, and total depravity? Join us for the next Grace in Focus. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.